And so this morning, I get to wrap up week five of our series on the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. I love all things Holy Spirit. Those of you who know me closely, I reference the Holy Spirit about everything and anything, right? Um, yes, I'm that girl who wakes up and says, good morning, Holy Spirit, because I understand, I've been taught, and I know who the Holy Spirit is and the role that he plays in my life. And um, I never want to take that for granted. And throughout this month, if you've been here, you've heard all the different ways um, that the Holy Spirit is being referenced in the Word of God and the metaphors of breath, doves, and clouds. Um, today's no different. Today we're going to look at fire. Ta -da -ta -da. We're going to um, look at the Holy Spirit as a metaphor, as um, the metaphor of fire. We've talked about how God gives us his spirit to follow, to guide us, to teach us, to help us live a better life here on earth. Um, my parents, my parents know, my mom particularly would reference the Holy Spirit for everything to the point where I thought she was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I would say like, okay, Holy Spirit, under my breath, of course, because that doesn't fly well in my house. But um, it would be anything. Mom, can I wear this outfit? I don't know, can you? Did you ask the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I'd be like, he actually likes it. He thinks it looks good on me. She's like, I don't. That skirt, mm -mm, change it. Um, all kinds of different things, you know. She would always say, ask the Holy Spirit. It, it won't mess up, you know. It'll guide you for sure. Uh, or else I made a poor choice. And my mom would say, you didn't hear the Holy Spirit? And I'd be like, I just ignored it. But yes, it spoke to me. Um, and so understanding the role of the Holy Spirit and what he plays in our hearts and just having the form of God living inside of us so much closer than our very own breath is incredible. And so today, be expecting to hear, to learn, and walk away with more of who the Holy Spirit is and how he plays a role in your life. We have been re-referencing these four word pictures, breath, dove, clouds, and today our last one is fire, to help us see and understand the purpose and the role of the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor Jeff did a great job teaching about the clouds in reference to the Holy Spirit. Today, our final word picture metaphor is fire. Fire, how to summon courage. Already, when I say fire, something pops into your mind because we all use the metaphor these days. A fiery temper, he's on fire, like in the NBA jam game. They're on real hot streak, they're on a real hot streak. That place is straight fire. Dude is spitting fire. If you guys don't really know those, it's because you were born a different time. But those are used all the time today. And what they mean by these terms is that they're passionate, excited, elevated, heightened, raw, in the zone, or they're saying things that are bluntly true. But just because it means that to us now doesn't necessarily mean that's how they defined it back then. Fire is used maybe more than any metaphor for the Holy Spirit. So it's not one that we want to or should be guessing at what it means. So the question at hand is, what did this image mean to the authors who placed it into the context of Scripture? 
One of the best passages on the Holy Spirit is found in the book of Acts. In fact, everyone here who knows the Bible is probably wondering, why haven't we used it yet in this series on the Holy Spirit? Would you take a look with me at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 7? On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Three. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. So Jesus has just been crucified and resurrected. The people who believed in him are still kind of nervous. They get together and they are praying in this room for God to help them continue the work that Jesus had already started. But they were scared, they felt intimidated, and they did not know how to do it. So they were kind of like hiding out in this apartment, this upper room. Then there was this wind that whips through the building and it looks like there's flames of fire on people's heads, and they immediately become emotional, excited, confident, and capable of sharing their faith with the people they don't know, and whose language, whose native language, they don't even speak. Now, that by itself is pretty deep. Imagine being there and experiencing that for yourself. That would be definitely wild. And there's a lot we're going to unpack here. But it's even deeper when you realize that this moment in the New Testament is a callback to a well-known moment in the Old Testament where God showed himself in much the same way. Take a look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 2 with me. It says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Exodus 3, 14. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Are you seeing the similarities here? God reveals himself through the metaphor of fire. And immediately after, the people who experienced him in that way boldly take a message from him to other people. I like that, amen. The Jesus followers in Acts are nervously hiding in a room and suddenly become bold enough to talk to people they don't know about their master. Moses in Exodus, as we just read, is nervously hiding in a desert and suddenly he becomes bold enough to talk to people he doesn't know about God. The metaphor is coming into focus now. When the Holy Spirit shows up as fire, he imparts a holy confidence that empowers us to boldly communicate 
on God's behalf. We become consumed with the desire to know, be like, and represent God well in such a way that everything else drops in priority and fades to the background, especially our fear. If you look at the people in the story of Acts, they were afraid they would be killed like Jesus was killed. Moses was afraid to go back to Egypt because he would be killed. But when the Holy Spirit imparts his fire to them, suddenly fear loses its hold on them. It's not that the fear is no longer there, but something else has become bigger, louder, and more compelling than their fear. And this is what God wants to do for us as well in our lives. This is the natural byproduct of putting God first. The more we look to and lean on God, the less self-conscious we become. In other words, I become so concerned with what God thinks that I cease to care about what other people think. Now, there's something else that when you consume a lot of it, it makes you brave and unafraid. Anybody you know? Alcohol. <laughs> That's why it's been known to be referred to as liquid courage. It's also called fire water. In fact, that was the assumption of the onlookers in the books of Acts made about these Jesus followers, their sudden courage and where it came from. Acts chapter 2 verse 13 says, But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, They're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter steps up and says, These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, but okay. <laughs> if nothing else, today you walk away with nine o'clock in the morning is way too early for that. <laughs> and so you get this sense reading through the accounts of the Christians in the New Testament that their number one priority was connecting with, becoming like, and telling other people about Jesus. At times, even to the detriment of other things, it was like they were consumed. In fact, that's the whole point. Hebrews 12, 29 says, For our God is a devouring fire. Fire is consuming. It engulfs things. If you've ever been to a big bonfire, you know anything you throw into the fire is absorbed by it. It disappears, and all that's left is the fire. In other words, the Holy Spirit burns up everything that is not like God, so that all that remains is God. Psalm 66:10. You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. I'm going to repeat that one more time. The Holy Spirit burns up everything that is not like God, so that all that remains is God. That's powerful. What is it purifying or refining? It's refining our motives, our desires, our intentions. So basically, it's making sure that what's inside of us is working like it should. Isaiah, 60, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6 and 7 says, Then one of the seraphims, an angelic being, 
flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit purifies and refines what comes out of us. It changes the way that you talk, the way that you interact, and the way that you treat other people. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, as fire, engulfs a burning bush, the tabernacle, a sacrifice on, my, on Mount Carmel. But in the New Testament, we're told again and again that the Holy Spirit wants to engulf me, that the Holy Spirit wants to engulf you, that the Holy Spirit wants to engulf us. Romans 12.1 and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So what does that mean? It means that the fire of the Holy Spirit is always burning in you constantly doing its work in you, giving you unending access to confidence and boldness, the one you need to do what God is asking you to do, to represent him well in the moment. We have more scripture. Matthew 3.11. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So what does that look like? The Holy Spirit prioritizes, purifies, impassions, and empowers us. When the Holy Spirit is active in your life, everything that doesn't reflect or represent God becomes a low priority to you. Distractions burn up and fall away. You become passionate about your relationship with God and your desire to grow spiritually and become more like Jesus. And you have a sense of supernatural empowerment to overcome obstacles and take action in ways that previously you would have been scared to. Again, it's not that you become fearless, but that you become so focused on God that you're able to boldly take action because you believe God will empower us to do what he inspires us to pursue. For some of you, I'm describing something you've never experienced and can barely imagine. But to others of you, You've had moments like this, entire seasons where your pursuit of God was an unshakable top priority. So why didn't it last? Why does it slow or fade or go out? One of the New Testament writers talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. It's the idea that you've got to tend to the fire of God in you, just like the ancients had to tend to the fire of God in the temple. Do not quench the fire of the Holy Spirit. In Leviticus 6.13, the priest always had to keep the fire going. 
Remember, the fire must keep burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. How did they possibly quench the fire, you ask? Not by throwing water at it, but by losing their focus on it. For the priests, it was their turn to watch, but they got distracted, fell asleep, or a breeze came through. And when they woke up, the fire was out. They may not have even known for how long the fire had been out, but the second you notice, you're aware of the effects and its absence. Isn't this exactly the way it happens with us? We lose our focus. We allow other priorities to take God's place. The wind of what's happening in culture whips through and distracts us. Let me wrap it up. Ever go camping? That's what this is for right here. I just didn't want to bend down and plug it in at this point. So we let it on the whole time. But this little fire right here. If you've been camping and you've lit a fire before, you know that if you don't feed it, it will go out, right? So if you want it and its benefits of keeping you warm and giving you light, cooking your food, you definitely need to pay attention to it in order for it to keep going. Otherwise, that's what begins to happen. So how are you doing in your life today? How are you feeding the fire of the Spirit of God in your life? Pay attention. Pay attention to it. Be aware of the Holy Spirit in you. The fire of the Holy Spirit in you. Make sure it doesn't fan out. Because you can't get the effects of the fire without fueling the fire. I wonder what roadblocks you can't seem to get past or what paths you're afraid to pursue or what conversations you're too nervous to have. The Holy Spirit's presence in your life could change all of that. But in order for that to happen, the small spark of faith you have needs to expand into a full-fledged fire. Ever sat around a campfire at night that was about to go out? You sit there and you remember what it used to be like. You watch it burn down and then you have a decision to make. Are you going to let it go out completely or are you going to feed it and watch it grow again? Paul gives advice to a young Christian he's mentoring who's surrounded by people who are trying to pour water on his fire. You know what I'm talking about. People who discourage or mock your passions. He tells them this in 2 Timothy 1.6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. In other words, take action on what God has already told you to do and watch the flame grow. The spark in you is God's gift to you. What you grow that into is your gift to God. What has God already asked you to do that you're resistant to step into? 
Some of you know you need to serve, but you don't want to sign up. Some of you know you need to be tithing, but you don't want to restructure your budget. Some of you know you're supposed to get baptized, but you're holding out. The list can go on and on. So here's my challenge to you. Think about something good that you feel God wants you to do. This week, instead of stalling, waiting on more signs, confirmations, confidence, or resources, just take one bold step in that direction. Amen?